Amen. Uh, good morning. How are you? Uh, good to be back. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. You know, every, every culture has what we would call a proverbial ladder, right? Usually we say the really important people are on top of the ladder and the less important people are on the bottom of the ladder. And those less important people are supposed to, to serve the other people high on the, I'm just moving this so I'm going to fall epically in front of all of you. Um, <clears throat> we should be, uh, we could go viral as a church, just not in the way we want. Um, so we think of this proverbial ladder, like even if you go in and you frequent a business or a, a restaurant, we walk in and we see people and we, even though we try not to, we place them somewhere on the ladder. Like you see the busboy, right? And then you see the server, maybe the cook, maybe the owner comes by and asks how your meal was. Maybe even the person who owns the whole strip mall that the restaurant's in walks in. And we do this thing where we kind of place people on the ladder of who's important and whom should be serving who. But Jesus, as usual, busts up. He doesn't care very much for how we look at our ladders. And what I want to do this morning is I actually want to take a one-week break from the book of Luke uh, to talk about this subject. That's sort of an important message that I feel like the Lord's been putting on my heart the last a few weeks, and, and I want to share it uh, with our church. So what I want us to do is to just jump ahead a little bit in the Bible. We're actually going to go into the Gospel of John today, and we're going to look at a story that takes place on the night before Jesus died. Uh, if you want to follow along, we're going to be on page 874 this morning, or you can use the uh, Renovation Church app. There's Bibles under your chair if you want to look, uh, so page 874. Uh, this is a story that takes place in the upper room. Uh, this is the same room in which Jesus and his disciples ate the Last Supper uh, you know, almost 2,000 years ago on a Thursday night. So let's start by taking a look at this passage. So in John chapter 13 today, uh, starting at verse 1, <clears throat> it says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Let me just pause for a few moments. Uh, back in May, when we were kind of beginning Luke's gospel, uh, we covered the story of John the Baptist where he said that he was unworthy even to untie the sandals of Jesus. And we talked about uh, during that message that in those days to take someone's sandals off and to wash their feet was the servant's job. And even then, a lot, of, a lot of people didn't make their servants wash feet because it was such a menial, such a degrading job that oftentimes there was just a basin out and you had to wash your own feet. Oftentimes in houses, only slaves were required to wash someone's feet. I mean, you just think about it, right? This is 2,000 years ago. The roads are dirty. They're dusty. I mean, they're, you know, we're just sharing the road with animals. They're full of animal excrement. Like, I don't even want to wash someone's feet today. You'd have to pay me a lot of money to wash your feet. But think about 2,000 years ago? No way, right? And so what Jesus is about to do to get on his knees and wash the feet of his disciples is 
unbelievably countercultural back then. And I think it still is today. Like we live in a culture in America where we we don't think a whole lot about serving other people. We think about people serving us, right? In the last couple of generations, because of the exponential rise of consumerism, uh, most of us believe that we ought to be seated at the table and people ought to be washing our feet instead of us washing someone else's feet. It's a bit mind-boggling to me how entitled we've become as a people. I mean, think about how we drive. Like We drive entitled. We drive like the road is ours. We built it, get out of my way, like right now. If I come to the stop sign, four-way stop, same time as you, I don't, I'm not even going to think about who should yield to who, right? It's I am going first. It's mine. I mean, think about when we go out to eat. It's just painful to watch people in restaurants sometimes, right? How we treat servers, right? not, not with gratitude, because they're serving us, right? That's what they're called, servers. We don't treat them with gratitude, almost, almost like they're subhuman. You just watch this when you go to a restaurant. Well, look, look at people and, and, and count how many people even make eye contact with their server. Instead, we just kind of make, we look, we look down or maybe even at our phones, because that's what people do at a restaurant. They don't look at their kids or anyone else. We just look at our phones and we make demands. And why isn't my food out yet? Like as if they're the ones cooking it or something, right? And we make really specific demands about what we want to eat at that restaurant. No, I would like extra onions. Actually, I would like them grilled. Actually, I would like seven of them. Not six, not eight, seven. And we, you know, some of you go into Starbucks and it takes you 75 minutes just to make your order, right? Because it's so specific. You go to the grocery store, right? You can walk into a grocery store. You go into a place like Cub and they have everything, right? You want pasta sauce? They have 30 different types of pasta sauce. I was talking to a missionary who was telling me when she came back to the U.S. that it was just overwhelming because, you know, overseas it's like if they even have pasta sauce, that's a win, right? We go into the store and it's like if they don't have Prego's roasted garlic Parmesan Alfredo sauce, then you're going to be having a little talk with the manager about he's not keeping up his supply well enough. But we just live in this entitled world where people are supposed to be serving us. You see, Jesus' actions today look about as contrary to how most of us live as you can get. See, the majority of Americans in 2018 never, and I literally mean never, serve another person. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, the, Euro, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics uh, just released their latest study on volunteerism uh, in America. I don't know if you saw this. It was on a bunch of the major uh, news sites. And they found that in America, only 27% of women volunteer any of their time, anywhere, and only 21% of men. Let me just take the inverse of those statistics. We'll say it a different way, and I think it's even more powerful. That's saying that 73% of women and 79% of American men never volunteer their time to serve someone else. Ever. That's insane. As a culture. And it's totally not true of a lot of other cultures in the world. But that's what we should expect when we literally build a culture on this foundation of consumerism, that the world is about me getting what I want when I want it. In a lot of ways, we're not all that different from the disciples. In fact, in Luke's account of the Last Supper, of Jesus' last night, we learn that he actually Jesus is explaining communion before he's washing the disciples' feet. And so 
think about this. Jesus had just explained to the disciples that his body was going to be broken for them. And then Luke tells us that then this happens. This is after he explained communion. Uh, Verse 24 of chapter 22 of Luke's gospel. It says, A dispute also arose among them, the disciples, as to which of them was considered to be greatest. (laughs) Okay. All right. They know, okay, they know that something big's about to happen by the way Jesus is acting. But they're still thinking that Jesus is going to conquer over their Roman oppressors, and soon they're going to be famous, right? They're going to be powerful leaders. They're going to be way up on that ladder. And so Jesus gives them some verbal correction, but they're still not getting them. Jesus is a great teacher, right? And great teachers know how to move from verbal instruction to an object lesson. So you can kind of imagine the disciples just arguing about who's going to be the most important, and Jesus just sort of silently getting up, like putting on a towel, walking over to the water basin, and then getting down on his knees, and all of a sudden, the room is silent. And what's fascinating is there is no place, literally no place in all of Greco-Roman literature There's no place in ancient Jewish literature where a master gets down and washes someone's feet. And so the disciples, Peter in particular, is they are absolutely flabbergasted by this act of Jesus. In fact, look at this. Let's just keep reading in the passage. Verse 6 now. It says, He, Jesus, came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, and Peter's just, he's all over the place. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. And so Peter is shocked that someone as important as Jesus is going to wash his feet. Like, Listen, think about ancient history. Kings don't go around washing the feet of their servants. This is the king of kings. Like the disciples think that world change is going to come from having power over but it's actually going to be the exact opposite. I want you to hear this. If you're looking to maybe to change the culture at your work, maybe even change the culture of what's happening in your home of, of, or of your life, know this. God's ways come, world change comes, not from getting power over, but by serving under. Right? This is the Son of God on his knees washing feet. Jesus is not going to wage war and take lives to establish his kingdom. He's going to give his own life to establish his kingdom. That's the essence of world change. You want to bring that in your life. It's not power over. It's serving under. This is the heart of Christ from the very beginning. The Bible is really clear on this. Philippians 2 is a great chapter to read on this. We're told that Jesus doesn't change the world just by barking orders from his heavenly throne. Philippians 2 says, no, he, he, he leaves. He leaves the throne, that glorious place of power. He enters into our dirty, sinful world, and he enters in not with a military parade. He enters in humility. He's born in a manger. But he lives this 
humble life of service, right? even humbling himself by dying on a cross. Sadly, most of us live in the exact opposite manner of that. Rather than always saying, how can I put aside my needs for others? How, how can I put aside my time, my calendar? How can I serve others? We're always thinking about working ourselves back up to the throne. Jesus is coming off the throne. Right? We're waiting for others to serve us rather than serving. And in doing so, we look nothing like Jesus. Most of you are familiar with Mother Teresa and how she served the poorest of the poor in, in India. However, one of the things you may not know about her is one of the greatest ways that she resembled Christ was by literally taking care of people's feet. And so uh, her organization, her ministry, obviously got a lot of donations uh, over the years, and occasionally they would just get a shipment of shoes for people. And what she would do is she would line up you know, all the incredibly poor people that she served, and they would go first, and they would pick out their shoes. And then Mother Teresa was always last in line to get a pair of shoes. And often those shoes were incredibly too small for her. But she would just take them anyway. She never talked about it, never said anything about it. But later in her life, there was a photographer that was there checking out her work. And he snapped a picture of her feet. I want to show you this picture. It's Mother Teresa's feet towards the end of her life. You can see they're deformed from wearing shoes that were too small. And again, most of us, we don't live like that. Always living the opposite. How do I get the best? Like, even in the simplest things, I've just, obviously, I'm always thinking about whatever I'm studying in the Word. And so I was thinking about this last night. It's just a simple illustration, but it's got to work through the, the smallest fabrics of your life for this to change. I'm having pizza with my kids, um, which I shouldn't have said out loud because my wife is in the service and she was gone and we had pizza last night. And I... Uh, <laughs> We're having, I didn't tell her yet, uh, but now she knows. Um, there, were, there was only three pieces left, and one of them looked significantly more delicious and larger than the others. And I wanted a piece, and two of my kids still wanted a piece. And I, I, I was thinking about, and normally, we always do this thing where I say, I get the best, and let me tell you why, because, well, I'm older, right? Or I'll say, how could, Dad, how come you get two cookies? Well, look how much bigger I am than you. <laughs> Obviously, I deserve, and, and we do this sort of thinking all the time. Even at work, you know, you get the best parking spot, you get the best pay, the best amenities, the best, you know, whatever, right? Because, well, you're older, or you've been there longer, or you're always trying to find a way to get ourselves up on the ladder so we can be served with more. And it's hard to live this lifestyle, but it starts in the little things to say, you know what, I'll take the smallest piece. Because that's probably what Christ would do. At another time, earlier in the scriptures, the disciples were sort of fixated on people serving them. And James and John, two of the disciples, they begin arguing with their mother, who's also advancing this thought of theirs, about who can sit next to Jesus in his kingdom. And Jesus replies this way. This is from Matthew's gospel. He says, Just as the Son of Man, that's a title for Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. Right, don't miss this. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me ask you a question. As a follower of Christ, could people say this about you in different spheres of your life? Right, insert your name in here, Erica or Nathan or whatever your name is. Could people say, when Robert is at church, he comes not to be served, but to serve. When 
Erica is at work. You know, when Bobby is at home with his family, he lives not to be served, but to serve. Could people say that about you? I think a lot of us believe in serving. We just believe in people serving us, right? People lower on the ladder. And the disciples are the same way. They understood the concept of serving. I don't want you to misunderstand this text because I think a lot of times modern people do by reading our culture's own thoughts about foot washing into the text. Like the disciples are not bothered. They're not uncomfortable with someone washing their feet like you and I would be. Like that would be so uncomfortable for us. You think about it. They traveled around with Jesus all over the place and someone honestly probably washed their feet every day some servant or a slave or something. And so they're totally used to someone washing their feet. They're not bothered by someone washing their feet. They're bothered by who is washing their feet. To see the king of kings, the son of God on his knees, washing their feet, that is what changed everything about their mindset of serving. They're so perplexed, Jesus begins to explain more to them. Let's continue in the passage. We're on verse 12 now. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Okay, so he says, you call me teacher and Lord. In other words, he says, yeah, I'm your teacher. I'm I'm actually Lord of the universe. So yeah, if you want to play the whole ladder game, technically I'm significantly higher than you as the one who created everything. And yet even I, the son of God, am on my knees serving you. So in other words, what's he doing? He's taking away any grounds, any excuses they have to say, well, I don't really need to serve. Like, if the one at the top of the ladder is willing to serve even the one at the lowest of the ladder, because by the way, when he washed all the disciples' feet, you better believe that he also washed Judas's feet, knowing that he was going to betray him probably within the hour. So if the one who's at the top of the ladder is willing even to wash the feet of the one at the bottom of the ladder, then what excuse do I have to say, no, I don't really need to serve other people? How do, how do we just change our mentality? How do you change? I remember not too long ago reading about uh, Dawson Trotman, who was the founder of Navigators. If you're a, a newer Christian or maybe you're a younger believer, you may not be familiar with the Navigators. A powerful a ministry of evangelism and discipleship. A really peaked kind of in the, in the 1900s. And uh, Dawson Trotman was a, a, the famous founder of the Navigators. Well, one time he was traveling in uh, Taiwan, and because he was an important person, he was kind of Christian famous, you know what I mean? They were excited to receive him there. And so he was traveling in Taiwan, and it was a, kind of an arduous journey, and he went kind of up the mountain, and it was really wet and rainy, and they visited some Christians up there. Well, the Taiwanese pastor that he was traveling with was once asked later, like, what did you think of traveling with Dawson Trotman, like, what, what, what'd you learn about it? What, what, what stuck out to you? And without hesitation, the pastor replied, he cleaned my boots. Like, he got up early, Dawson Trotman, before everyone else, and cleaned all the mud off everyone's boots before we started the journey the next day. Why? Because no one is above 
in God's kingdom. Like, if Jesus himself doesn't see himself as above serving other people, then we certainly aren't above. I think one of the most basic and foundational ways that we begin to live this out as Christians is we serve each other in the body of Christ. This has become a weakness of the American church, particularly in the 21st century, as we, as in our culture, as have just delved further and further into consumerism. Right? We, we're really good at consuming Christianity. Like we go online, we, we, we listen to all the podcasts, like we read all the Christian books, we come and we experience a worship service, kind of we come and we take, and we take and we come, maybe even go to a different church next week, you know, and you come and you take, and we come and we take, but we never serve, we never give anything out. And when you actually sit down, you read the New Testament, right? Start, start reading through the New Testament, particularly from the book of Acts onward, and you look at the, the concept of church, the body of Christians in the, in the Bible. And the New Testament has no concept, literally zilch, nada. There's no concept of a Christian that is in the body but doesn't serve the body, of a Christian that just consumes. There's no concept for that in the New Testament, and yet actually that is the majority of Christians in America right now in 2018. Verse 14 in our passage says, you as a believer, you are to wash one another's feet in service. You serve the body. But I think too many of us, we just come with Jesus, just wash my feet. Like We like being served, wash my feet. And have that other disciple of yours wash my feet as well. Like, if you could have one of these people be my small group leader in house groups, so that when I struggle or I'm sick or my life is hard, that they could be there for me and serve me. Right? And if you could have that disciple who's sitting behind me right now uh, serve in renovation kids for service and then have to come to another service so they could disciple my children for me, if you could have them also wash their feet, that would be great. And if you could have that disciple in front of me come early to make sure all the slides are ready on the screen so I can see the text and so I can worship God, that would be great. And the disciple kind of a couple rows over, if you could have them come a couple hours early to set this all up for me so I can have this powerful and take and consume worship service from you, that would be great. And I'm just, I'm reading right now the text that you say you, you actually want me, me to wash somebody else's feet in the body. And we see that, and many of you have seen that for the first time today, and you're thinking, well, how, what do I do? How do I do? How do I maybe not do this? What do I? And the Holy Spirit's maybe working on your heart. And too many of us, we just only bring our excuses to the Lord Almighty. And he's saying to you, get, just get out of your chair and do something with your life. We say, no, 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 I can't, and we bring him the list of excuses. We say, I can't because I'm just too busy right now, God. Some of us say, I'm too important, I'm too talented to, to serve in one of these simple ways. Now, sometimes we say, my life is just too out of control right now. We say, God, just look at my schedule. Look at what's coming up in my life right now. And before you bring that excuse to the Lord, keep in mind contextually in the scripture, this is the night before Jesus dies. Jesus is going to be arrested within hours. He's going to endure six horrible trials. He knows he's going to die the next day. And so our excuse of, I have too much going on in my life right now, to actually think about serving other people doesn't seem to hold weight to, I'm going to be crucified in the morning, and yet I'll serve. 
And so if you're a believer in Jesus, you call this church home. This is where you worship. You're part of this body. We encourage every single person, adults, even youth group students, every single person in this room to find a place to serve here, 100%. Like, I'm not joking, 100%. Why? Because we want you to imitate Christ. Not to live to be served, but to serve, because that's who he is. We want you to let God use you. Uh, you probably saw on top of your chairs when you walked in today, there was a piece of paper. Uh, that piece of paper has 11 different ways that you can get started in serving. I'm giving you just a simple application step in this. Uh, every single one of those ministry teams has needs. Our, our, our children's ministry, Renovation Kids, is exploding. Uh, we need people to come in and teach preschoolers. We need people to come and hold babies. We need people to come and just hang out with elementary school kids. We need people to come here early and set this up. People to stay late after second service and tear down, to greet, to usher, to run the lights, to run the slides. In fact, as our church has grown by almost 200 people in just 24 months, uh, one of the things that you might have noticed uh, back in the spring is uh, almost every other week we were beginning to overflow that parking lot out there, even though we already had pre-parked about 15 cars with our volunteers in the back lot, starting to overflow. And so as we get back into the fall in about a month or so, one of the things we're going to do starting September 9th is we're going to flatten out that curtain out there and we're going to permanently open up uh, the back entrance to the building because we know we're going to start overflowing the parking lot uh, basically every single week. And in order to better accommodate and, and have a great experience for our many guests that come every week and for you, we're actually starting a brand new volunteer team called the Parking Lot Team. And we're going to send people out there to direct traffic between the two lots, help people find the entrances, and really, most importantly, to be a, a really positive first impression of our church for people. And we're starting that up. We're going to begin training people because it starts in about a month or so. And so our goal for this morning is that we would have at least 10 of you sign up for that ministry today. 10 today so we could get it started. We want 100% of you to be a part of this because we're a body that serves together. This church is not a cruise ship. If you're looking for a cruise ship church, this ain't it. We call it a rowboat. We encourage everybody to pick up an oar. Even if you're already serving once a month, I want some of you to tell your ministry leader today, you see him out in the hallway, say, I'll do twice a month. I'm ready to just stop being served all the time. I want to serve. Serving here is just really the beginning, right? Uh, the text, what we're talking about, is we live like Christ, and serving is a lifestyle. But this is an important foundational beginning. Uh, if, you, if you're looking to sign up today, and that should be basically everyone in this room who isn't a part of something yet, what I encourage you to do a little later when we get to the offering is to find your bulletin on the connection card. You can pick a team that you want to sign up for. Our, our parking lot team isn't on there yet, and so you can just write parking lot team on your connection card. It's important to me that no one misunderstands what I'm saying today. Like this is, I'm not saying serve because you should, by golly. Like our ethic as Christ followers is not guilt-driven. Our ethic is imitation-based, not guilt-based. What does that mean in terms of moral ethics? Jesus explains this when he talks about imitating his father. John 5 Verse 19, he says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. You, you go forward in the Bible to the book of Colossians, and Colossians tells us that the son is the image of the invisible God. And so the son does what the father is doing, and we do what we see the son doing, because we're imitating God. And what is the son doing? 
He's serving. He's washing feet. But I think a lot of us, we just feel unmotivated to do that. And we do that, I think we feel unmotivated because we're always looking up. Like we're trying to climb the ladder of greatness. Right? Maybe you're just thinking about how to become a better Christian, how to become an important Christian. You know, like kind of at the top of the ladder. You're thinking about those important Christians and you kind of see them up there and they're up at the left and the right of Jesus. So many of us are kind of picturing ourselves growing in our faith up there by God. But the problem with that is oftentimes God is not up there. God is at your knees. Serving. This is not a king that rules with a sword and an iron scepter. This is a king that rules with a towel on his knees. And that's how we ought to live. So we ought to act, ready to serve. And you can do that when you understand who you are in Christ. I think so many Christians, they're just thinking, I oh, know, I'm, I gotta grow, I need this, or what about me? Because they're forgetting who they are in Christ. You have everything in Christ. You are loved by Christ. You are forgiven. You're fully accepted in Christ. When you understand that, you can pour out to others. So start looking for ways to step out in that. Like, what does it look like for you to imitate Jesus, to serve, to put others first at work? What about at home with your roommates, with your spouse or your kids? Rather than just being at home to be served, you know, you just keep washing the dishes and doing the clothes and doing the garbage and mowing the lawn. I like that you just keep, what does it mean to serve and not just live, to be served? And just start living this out. Jesus isn't waiting for an invitation. He doesn't even wait for a thank you afterwards. He just gets down and starts to serve. Timothy Keller says it this way. He says, servanthood begins where gratitude and applause ends. In other words, we're not doing this so we can be recognized. Spurgeon, in his take on this passage, even recommends that if you're worried about you want to be seen or you want to get noticed, if you're, if you're dealing with your pride, then you ought to find the place to serve that no one else is waiting, up to, is waiting in line to serve, where no one's even going to notice you. And this is tough for us because in, in American churches, I find that so many of us as Christians, maybe this is even you, We don't step forward to serve anywhere because we just haven't found anything yet that sort of perfectly fits us. Maybe you've been kind of looking through that sheet or you'll be looking through it through announcements and and you're thinking, no, that's not really me. I don't think I would really enjoy that. Okay, I get the whole, you know, yes, find your gifts and, and, and live that out thing. But ultimately, I think a lot of that comes from consumeristic Christianity, not biblical Christianity. Do you think Jesus is saying, yeah, Father, I see your will right now, and then I should wash their feet, but I don't really think I would enjoy washing their feet. I I feel like my gifting is more kind of as a teacher. The heart of a disciple is to serve. You want to grow spiritually? Stop putting your own needs and desires first. You start putting other people first, you're going to grow. You're actually going to find joy because you're doing what he created you to do, which is to imitate him, the one who served. Before I close out this message, let's look at just the last verse of the text, verse 17. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
hear this word from Jesus Christ. Merely sitting here this morning and consuming this message in your life as another... You took some notes, right? You consumed it as another teaching does not and will not bring blessing to your life. The blessing is not in the consumption. The blessing is in the doing. Uh, There was a woman on a Rwanda team uh, who felt like the Lord was maybe calling her to to Rwanda this past summer. And she shared with her team how she had looked ahead at her calendar. And she had looked and she saw that the Joyful Noise Fest was a great Christian event in Blaine here where you come and there's worship artists that come in. It's a great time of worship. She said, it was the same time as a Rwanda trip. And she said, oh, what do I do? You know, I, I love going there. It's a great experience. And she said, it just hit her. And she thought, what am I going to do? Like, am, am I going to, again, show up to an event and just be singing, just like so many of us do in church, be singing here to God, like, oh, God, use me. I want to serve you. Or am I going to go out and actually serve? And she said, I'm going to not just listen not just consume, I'm going to do. And the blessing's in the doing. This woman went, and the Lord, I just want to tell you, the Lord used her mightily on our team. Her testimony was an instrumental part of leading many, many people to Jesus Christ. And there is joy and there is blessing, not in the consumption, there is joy in the doing. So climb down the ladder, pick up a towel, and start serving. Let me pray. Lord, we just pray that we, every single one of us in this room, would take a step forward this morning, whatever that is, whatever you're telling us at home or here at church, that we would take a step forward to look more like you in our service. And God, may you use us as we put on the towel like you. May you just use us to change the world by serving under. In your name we pray. Amen.